1: Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. And an in for Bob Stoffer today, 1234 in Edmonton. It's Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal and occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse, I was celebrating a special moment Sunday evening. It was excellent. 10 out of 10. Recommend Roos Chris every time. 9990 Jasper Avenue. Well, you notice we didn't. Fine, Bob. So either he is somewhere in like a bank foyer in like just getting up after a night of drinking in Nashville or he's on the airplane and didn't really organize things very well with me this morning. But you know who did was Frank Cervalli from Daily Face-Off. He was in the air. He landed with plenty of time to talk to us today. Frank's appearance is brought to you uh, by the Horses, Horse Racing Alberta. They're presenting live standard bred racing each Friday and Saturday at Century Mile. More info at thehorses.com. Frank, appreciate you jumping on. How are you doing? Brendan, I'm pretty good. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. So obviously, no shortage of things to talk about here in Edmonton, um, but Let's kick it off with Stuart Skinner's contract, Frank. Uh, three years, $2.6 million. A little bit out of the blue, I think, for, uh, for the marketplace. But the general consensus I'm gathering is that people are pretty satisfied, uh, satisfied with
0: the price point. Would love your overall thoughts. Yeah I think it's great value is really what it works out to and it's really you said out of the blue but in some ways it's sort of right out of the playbook of what the Calgary Flames did earlier this season with Dan Bladar you know their thought process was we have a younger goalie here that we believe could be a true number one in the NHL and we put ourselves in a great position moving forward if he continues to play well and The sample size, I think, is still pretty small with Skinner. I mean, look, he's played 33 NHL games and has a career 9-12 save percentage. And those numbers are really strong, especially when you compare him to the guys that he's played sort of in tandem with uh, over the last couple years. But when it comes to, you know, what that means for the big picture, I think what it does is it opens up a lot of flexibility for you. Let's say... Skinner continues to pop off and you ride him as your number one and Jack Campbell's trying to figure his game out. Well, then great. You have yourself some, some stability there in net for the next few years. Let's say Campbell rebounds and finds his game. Well, then you've got a great asset that at a certain point you could flip to maybe recoup some of the pieces that you end up spending on this team at the trade deadline to make them into the true Stanley Cup contender that a lot of people believe the Edmonton Oilers can be. So there's really no downside to it. Um, It was just smart to really get him locked up before he continued to play so well to the point where that becomes even more expensive to accomplish. Exactly.
1: So from the team standpoint, there may not have been a downside in that sense, but for Skinner, there may have been a, a bigger bet that he could have placed on himself and he was asked that question yesterday and and said that he really just heeded the advice of his agent JP Barry and, and figured okay this is probably a good time even if I am you know carrying the bulk of this load the rest of the way and could have earned more per per year um, this is a situation I want to be a part of in the bigger picture and, and I think that if that doesn't show the maturity of the player like I don't know how else you could express the level of maturity of 24 year old Skinner right there.
0: Yeah. And Brendan, look, I, am always reminded in a situation like this, don't bleep with happy. Like, you know, he's an Edmonton born kid grew up rooting for the Oilers and someone that obviously really wants to see this team succeed. And he has a real opportunity to have success, to be a difference maker on a team with two of the very best players in the world that he has a chance to, to win a Stanley cup. So To me, um, while someone, you know, you might be able to argue that he would have been able to sign for a bit more later on, the truth is the Edmonton Oilers put a piece of paper in front of him that said, hey, would you like $7.8 million? And I don't know. There's not that many people out there that are saying no.
1: It's it, fair, fair point. And the thing is, is it expires and, and still gives him an entire, basically, prime of his career to make another contract worth of whatever he is worth at that point. But let's let's hone in on this. So we've got that deal done. Uh, Ken Holland adds some more depth in a sense that you get uh, Jason Demers on an NHL deal. You can at least factor him in, and when you need to up here. Um, Philip Broberg, obviously, be it injury or, or maybe just kind of stagnant development relative to what they would have expected. Like, the back end just isn't as deep or effective as I think they projected out of the gate, Frank, and here we are, 30-plus uh, games into the season, and it's it's a pretty glaring issue. The last couple games, people have been easily identifying the giveaways from some of the bigger Minutemen on the back end, and and so, how do I hone this into one question? Let, let's just stop and say, when you see Ken Hall holland starting to make little moves like this what does that indicate to you about maybe what we're about to see uh in the coming weeks
0: i don't know if it's necessarily foreshadowing or anything like that if that's what you're getting at Mm -hmm. i think what the oilers have reached right now is a crossroads because i think having gone through you know the process of this season trying to figure out sometimes it takes you 20 games to figure out not just what you have, but sometimes more importantly, what you don't have, that I think their focus to this point has really been solely on offense and and not necessarily scoring. But we've talked a lot about the idea of this team being tougher to play against in their bottom six. I think they flirted with um, not just Ryan Reeves, and you see the impact that he's had in Minnesota, but I think they also – you know, we're thinking about the idea of someone like Wayne Simmons on when he was on waivers. Um, then once you get beyond that, that's sort of on the micro level, a more macro, bigger picture, what is a true contending team need? And you think of a center, someone that is, you know, is feisty, can win face-offs in big moments, can play a bit on your penalty kill, and maybe add a scoring touch, someone that might have a winning pedigree you know, think along the lines of a Jonathan Taves that I think you take all those really nice thoughts and you park them for a second and you look at the sort of malaise that this team has been in for the last couple weeks and really up and down all season long, that maybe you look at it and say perhaps we need more on the back end than I thought. And so I think that's sort of, when I mentioned crossroads, Right now, what that Edmonton front office is, is sitting there looking at, well, how do we prioritize this? What is actually attainable in terms of actionable acquisitions? And then, you know, which, which pieces end up falling by the wayside in terms of things that we might not be able to tackle? Because if those are the three things you're looking at, some defending help on the back end a true defender a sort of Adam Larson type player um, and then you need those other pieces up front that we just talked about well that that becomes really hard to pull off in one trade deadline period you know we're just on the outside of 60 days away from from the trade deadline itself on March 3rd that that becomes a pretty tall order
1: Chatting with Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff right now and identifying, I guess, what Edmonton's truest needs are right now. I think the problem is that you could realistically make the case for spending quality assets, if you will, at third-line centre to get a player like a John uh, Jonathan Taves, or you could make the case for probably four defensemen that would make sense on the left wing. I mean, Jickren makes dollars and cents because he only makes $4.6 million for the next couple of of years if anybody can figure out what kind of player he actually is and then last night I'm hearing once again not for the first time around but Matthias Ekholm if you could ever make that 6.25 million dollar cap hit work he's probably more the kind of player you're actually after to get you closer to a to a Stanley Cup but if we just look at say the left side uh, defense right now Frank Edmondson, Chikrin, John Klingberg. Can you give us the update from your insider perspective? Is there any sort of movement for any of those players anywhere, not just with Edmonton?
0: Yeah, and I would also throw um, another guy into the mix in Vladislav Gabrikov. I would say, um, and it's sort of been well-publicized to add to your list of names, um, and they're in the playoff case right now. So he may not ultimately end up becoming available, but Carson Soucy as someone that could also play both sides of the blue line, always nice to have that type of versatility, but I think you've kind of circled the market. And I will say that I think there's a couple names on the list that you mentioned that the Oilers probably when it all comes down to it, aren't really that high on. And so you can kind of, you know, move those guys to the wayside a little bit, but it, it, it there is there seems to be more of those type of players available this time around, and I wonder what that says about the overall market in and of itself. I mean, just look at you know someone if we're talking you know sort of more defensive defensemen, you know what Eric Branson got on the free agent market last year it, it blew everyone's mind at four times four. You know what path is someone like Gavrikov trending down in terms of you know, not just acquisition costs, because I think you could look at someone like Gavrikov and say he's probably better than David Savard. And you saw the package that Tampa Bay gave up to get Savard, who basically ended up playing third pair minutes. And I guess he helped your team win a Stanley Cup, so you'd pay it over again. But still, expensive acquisition costs for them to, him to then leave and then get paid on top of it um, elsewhere. So I think that all kind of goes into the calculus, but I think you're you're spot on in terms of some of the names that have been mentioned. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we've
1: obviously hit the, uh, the holiday roster freeze now. So nothing doing until after Christmas, but, um, when traditionally does the market start to heat up in, uh, in in your time following this type of thing? For a team like Edmonton who may be trying to establish themselves the rest of the way as more of a, a buyer than a seller, for example, like when would they kind of plant the flag and say, let's go?
0: Honestly, um, usually and traditionally it's been early December that not just the conversation picks up, but also you begin to hear more names out there. And this year in particular, I don't know if it's because we're playing a third straight year and in a frozen flat cap environment. Um, There are, I think there's a number of teams that would like to be aggressive that just haven't been able to. And then I think there's a number of other teams that um, you would think would be aggressive and have been somewhat complacent in terms of their approach. So I would say, Um, You know, when it comes to the Oilers, the spot that they're in in the standings, I mean, it's, for lack of a better term, it's precarious at the moment because you have someone like Colorado that's hanging on in a wild card spot right now. You have a Calgary team that I think a lot of people are waiting to play a lot better. What if St. Louis suddenly begins to figure it out? Like the last thing you want to be is on the outside looking in especially this year, especially with, you know, all of the attention and focus and expectations rising to another level after a conference final appearance. Let me tell you this, Brendan, it's not guaranteed. You know, think back to a couple seasons ago. We had three out of the four conference finalists not make the playoffs the following year. It happens. And that would be completely unacceptable and inexcusable for an Edmonton Oilers team uh, now in what year seven of the Connor McDavid experience to let another season like this go by the wayside so uh, I think they've got some significant work to do in order to improve this team and I think just on the other side of the trade freeze is the perfect time to start
1: they give up so many goals when you look at the goals against Frank 114 and, and while they score they an score awful lot, a lot it just did <laughs> You know, it's clearly it's not built, affording them any separation, really. And, and I, I see teams like Los Angeles and, and even Winnipeg in front of them, and that might be hard to sustain that position. But Edmonton obviously has to stake a lot more claim uh, in the Western Conference than they have this year. And a couple more questions here for Frank Saravalli from the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta, Daily Face-Off's Frank Saravalli, of course. Things in Vancouver have been so messy this year. And and when I look at it from my perspective, it just looks like so many different hands in the cookie jar and management. And, you know, I'm sure some people up there have their own guy, whether it's a JT Miller, whether it's a Bo Horvat. All of it is just amounted to dysfunctionality and uh, and not having their starting goaltender isn't helping anything. But, you know, Frank, I guess the easy question is, where does Bo Horvat uh, start next year? But, I, you know, like this is... Can you narrow down a couple of trade markets at this point where he may be a best fit? Is it seemingly uh, a guarantee at this point that he'll be gone?
0: It sure seems like it's a guarantee that he's going to be playing somewhere else before, you know, March 4th rolls around on the calendar. The really interesting thing about Bo Horvat is that it may not just be contenders that step up to try and get him. because. Yes, he could help you for a playoff run, but there's a number of teams that I think would move around their salary cap structure in the offseason in order to then be able to retain him. But the interesting thing is you may see a team that's outside the playoff window step up to try and grab him to get a jump on the market and ensure that they're able to keep Bo Horvat moving forward. The interesting part for Horvat is that as that sort of pending ufa he holds all the cards in that he only it's a de facto no trade clause he only really needs to let the acquiring team know that would be interested that would make a call to his agent wink wink uh hey we're not interested in in re-signing long term in your city that might totally change the conversation so he certainly has some control even if he doesn't technically have it on paper And, uh, you know, to give you a list of some of the teams that I think would be interested in adding a premier center like Bo Horvat, what about a team like the Boston Bruins? I mean, they're one that they have Krejci, they have Bergeron, but what do they have after that moving forward? Who can help carry the torch for that team? We know that Colorado has been looking for a second-line center option uh, all season long. They don't have the availability at this exact moment in time Cap space wise, uh, but perhaps they could get creative to try and fit someone like Horvat in. If not, do they go after someone like a Jonathan Taves, for instance? Um, You know, move your way down the list. The number of teams that could use a bona fide center like Bo Horvat is pretty significant and long. And I would also, even in an uh, uh, not an odd way, but a long shot way, I would include the Oilers in that category as well
1: interesting because obviously he would help in the face-off circle he I'm sure could help kill penalties in that sense and I think he you know he brings a lot of what a Stanley Cup winning team would need but can you make the money he's
0: essentially a perfect stylistic fit like if you were to take the nameplate off and take the salary cap picture away which you unfortunately can't do (laughs) to take Bo Horvat's game and plug him into the Edmonton Oilers I think just makes so much sense
1: There's a lot of people that have been texting over the last few days saying, could you get that in and move out Ryan Nugent Hopkins? That's not happening, especially not with the year that Ryan Nugent Hopkins is having. Um, In Phoenix, i got to ask you this to close out, Frank. uh, A gentleman by the name of Matt Ishiba, or Ishbia, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, Ishbia, uh, a mortgage lender, a billionaire. It sounds like he's buying the Phoenix Suns away from Robert Sarver. Could this, would this have any sort of impact on anything to do with the Coyotes, uh, an ownership change in in Phoenix's basketball team, or am I way out to lunch?
0: Um, I don't. I wouldn't say you're out to lunch because I think other people have asked the same question. Like, what is the exact relationship between the Suns and the Coyotes? That is the downtown arena where the Coyotes played before they moved on to Glendale and it just was never the building was made for basketball and it's hard to sort of retrofit it we've seen with the Barclays Center in Brooklyn how difficult it was for the New York Islanders with the scoreboard perched over one of the blue lines and you know some obstructed seats and whole sections of the stadium or arena not able to be used for hockey it was similar not quite as bad in downtown Phoenix before and so Uh, Do they have the capability to pull it off? I I would say yes, they do. But that arena is also getting up there in age a bit in terms of its useful life. And does that make it easier for a partnership potentially on a new, bigger arena somewhere else or or somewhere where they're both co-tenants, perhaps? But I think we're a long way off from that. And I think the Coyotes would probably prefer at this point, given all the work and money that they've put into their project in Tempe, to maybe put down some roots there
1: yeah awesome stuff today frank really appreciate the insight man we'll chat next week thanks Brendan. take care all right frank saravalli from daily face off for our friends at the horses horse racing alberta they present live standard bread racing each friday and saturday at century mile more info at thehorses.com we're back on oilers
0: now One, two, three, four, five, six, This is Ryan Nugent-Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer on 6:30. chad
2: the answer is yes. Now I would say to you, you know, I mean, over the course of, you know, obviously we've had we've added Zach Hyman a year ago, and you know, th- made a significant Vander commitment. Kane. We've added Evander Evander Kane and made some decisions about some people. So, you know, we're we are trying to get it. We are in the win now mode. We're trying to make moves that uh, makes us deeper and makes us makes us better. We did get to the final four last year. We did get a look at uh, the team that won the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs and, 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 and obviously what's what's happened, Bob, is that with the cap going from 81.5 to 82.5 two five to eighty three five, when you've got good players and you got you've got commitments, it it's it, it makes it more difficult for, for, for teams to add. And so we're we're in that we're in that position. So you know we're trying um uh, but, but, yeah, we're in the win now mode. Would I like to do something? Yeah, I would like to do something. I don't know how big I can do something because of where of the commitments that we've got. And, and I do believe we have lots of really good players. But I'd love to get a little bit deeper, a little bit different, if, if possible. And that means
1: to me that you got to change the dynamic physically of the bottom six, right? You need a more physical defenseman, and then you need somebody in the bottom six forward group that is menacing to play against. That's what is different from what they have right now, uh, in my opinion. Okay, a uh, quick rip through the injury report since we didn't get the update from Bob, but I've got a pretty good handle on this one. Uh, Oilers Now Injury Report brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Philip Roberg in a walking boot. Last I had eyes on him, so he's out uh, two to three weeks by the sounds of it. Evander Kane not expected back until somewhere in that uh, final couple weeks of February. Of course, from the wrist laceration, Ryan McLeod dealing with a high ankle sprain. He's missed the last 11 games now or 11 or 12, it's been a while since we've seen him. That uh, that uh, game against the Rangers was when McLeod got hurt, working his way back from a high ankle sprain. Uh, and everybody else, I think, is good to go now with McLeod, or pardon me, with uh, Fogle and Kyler Yamamoto back in the lineup. If you're uh, looking for the perfect holiday gift, there's still a couple days left to sneak this one in. You can join Oilers Now in Vegas this January. See the Oilers play their Pacific Division rivals, the Vegas Golden Knights. This New West Travel Hockey Package includes airfare, three nights at the five-star Cosmopolitan Hotel on the Strip, great game tickets as well, and a welcome reception with Bob and special guests. For the Oilers Now Vegas Hockey Package, call New West Travel or visit Travel.com dot com. Coming up in hour number two, we're going World Junior heavy. First, we'll stay with Daily Face Off, the good man over there, and we'll chat with Stephen Ellis. He's been covering uh, so far the uh, the World Juniors. We chatted with him back in August when the tournament was here, but we're going to go to the Maritimes and find out just what led Canada to that 6-0 victory over Switzerland. And then at 1.30, we'll hear from St. Albert's own Zach Ostopchuk, a conversation about the uh, tournament-to-be. It's Brendan Escott in for Bob Stauffer today. We'll send it off to Eileen Bell with the headlines.